0: Hello, and welcome to the Aquarian Spirals podcast, musings on astrology, cosmology, practical woo, non-monogamy, and just general witchiness. Your guide to love-soaked revolution and paradigm shift. Hello, and welcome to episode number two. Today is Friday, August 30th, and I'm your host, Amanda Moreno, astrologer, soul worker, paradigm buster, and currently Mars-returning high-energy functional human. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because I woke up with a start this morning and realized it was way too early, like 3.30 a.m. early, which also happened to be about the time of the Virgo new moon, Um, And when I finally logged into Facebook this morning, I learned that I was not alone on the insomnia train. Um, So now I'm getting texts from people going, what the hell is that insomnia about? And I'm not going to proclaim to know, concretely speaking, and definitively what it's about, but I'm definitely going to give you my take on this new moon, which means that this episode will start with astrology and a discussion of all things Virgo, and then the second segment is going to be on the topics of magical ethics and honoring the heart during times of change and what's going on in the Amazon, uh, just based off a question that I've received several times this week. Okay, so this Virgo new moon that happened this morning, uh, for those of you who are brand new to this language of the stars stuff, a new moon happens when the sun and moon come together in the sky. It's followed then by a full moon two weeks later and then another new moon two weeks after that. So lunar cycles are about 28 days, and they're great ways to um, do the intention-setting thing and to work with astrology and to learn about yourself and the world. So... This new moon packs a really potent Virgo punch because not only are the sun and moon in Virgo, but Mercury, Venus, the asteroid Juno, and Mars are there as well. So kind of creating this Virgo sandwich of delight. And you know, I think sometimes Virgo gets a bad rap or maybe that's just in my mind. I've had some resistance to Virgo, but I've also had to own the fact that I do have three natal planets in Virgo. Uh, and I'm kind of in love with this sign and I've realized that reflecting back over the years, I always really enjoy the Virgo lunar cycle, specifically the full moon that ends up being in Pisces. Um, but I, I just really like this time of year and I promise it's not because I'm always getting ready to go see Dave Matthews band at the gorge. And I mean, all this Virgo energy might feel like anxiety as well. Uh, But I'm telling you that this really is some fantastic energy for practical endeavors, and the world needs more practical endeavors right now. Practical endeavors based in integrity and, and knowing what we're good at. So let's break down the archetype of Virgo just a little bit. I love thinking of astrology in terms of a developmental wheel, as many of you know. Um, And that kind of gives us a way of understanding the way that the signs kind of like flow together and also tell the story of human development. And so starting with Aries, we get that. That birth instinct, that like emergence into the world—it's it's it's all instincts, just crying, shitting, eating, and there's no conscious thought there. And then in Taurus, it's the internalization of safety and having our survival needs met through our five senses, um, and specifically through the way that we're held, so that the sense of touch. Um, And and whether or not we, you know, have someone quite literally holding us. And then from that place, we get to Gemini, which is where we start to develop the conscious mind and our ability to label and categorize and communicate. And then Cancer, which is the development of the individual ego and our recognition of separation for the first time that we're separate. Um, And the kind of inherent insecurity of that, emotional insecurity of that, but also our membership to a family, which is our first kind of like ego identity. And then in Leo, we express that ego identity. We express our, our uniqueness. Um, and so those first five signs of the zodiac are all focused on subjective development. It's all internal. It's all about me. So then we get to Virgo. And in the sign of Virgo, we are transitioning from how can I be special to how can I be useful? And we're transitioning from five signs, five of the 12 with um, subjective focus into how can I relate to other people? And so there's this kind of crucible that happens with Virgo energy and, and it can be an archetype of crisis. Um, and that's because it can feel like there's so much pressure to kind of like get it right. There's this really deep, inver- it, there's this really deep integrity in Virgo Um, And Virgo reflects the part of us that longs so deeply for meaningful work and to make practical use of the tools we have and what we've learned through those first kind of like five cycles of of development. Virgo shares rulership of Mercury with Gemini and is the hermit card in the tarot. So there's this energy of kind of like going within in order to learn, whether that's a skill or what makes us tick or about our inner world or about mastery. It's the process of mastery, which is then kind of uh, displayed in, in Capricorn, the next earth sign. And if you think about the traditional image of the hermit in the tarot card, you know, it's that it's the figure who has gone inside and then is emerging with the light that it's going to shine back out on humanity. And that's that kind of metaphor for like, once you learn how something works, then you, then you bring it back out into the world, right? So Virgo is all about analysis um, of parts, again, to try and make them work. So at the psychological level, Virgo oftentimes has to do with self-analysis or analysis of situations. Um, it can be that kind of like, rehashing of what happened in an interaction to try and figure out what went on or the analysis of a future interaction to try and like rehearse. Um, so Virgo and anxiety go hand in hand as well. And if I break it down, you know, I think there are different kinds of anxiety. They very often, you know, entwine and reinforce each other. Uh, They loop into each other, but ultimately there's physical anxiety, and that's the anxiety that you you feel, like physical symptoms like heart racing or, you know, a a rock in your stomach. Emotional anxiety, where there's tears or anger. uh, And then mental and spiritual anxiety. And Virgo loops into all of those. So, you know, breaking that down further one of Virgo's shadows is that of over-analysis. So, um, analysis for the sake of analysis, right? Not for the sake of, like, figuring something out, getting to an end process. We kind of, like, lose that focus and instead get looped into self-critical thoughts or self-loathing or just rehashing. And the Virgo-Pisces axis has super-duper links to psychological sadomasochism, so the psychological Um, patterns of sadism and masochism. And I actually have a whole two and a half hour webinar on my website about that topic. It's a free webinar, you can go check it out if you're interested in that subject. Um, But I think that the mutable axis, so that's Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, have really taken the brunt of the distortions of Christianity and And that has exacerbated sadomasochistic tendencies in our our society. And that goes really far beyond, um, you know, what we think of as like whips and chains, BDSM, um, these are psychological tendencies that are inherent in a lot of our guilt and shame based thinking. They're inherent in a lot of the structures of our society. Like for example, the way that females tend to get paid less than men, um, and so those mutable signs really reflect those distortions and the way the otherwise healthy need to be of service and to be of useful and to, and to feel you know meaning and purpose have been wrapped up in that shame and guilt. Um, and that's the mutable cross along with Capricorn, actually. So Virgo is most explicitly linked to the anxiety of mental looping and the negative scripts we find ourselves spinning into But it's also linked very strongly to anxiety of the existential or spiritual kind. So think of Virgo as sitting there across the wheel from Pisces, the void, the abyss. Pisces is the polarity of Virgo, and Pisces is the land of undifferentiation, where nothing's qualified. Um, So things are not good or bad, they just kind of exist everything flows together in this vast ocean of oneness. And sometimes we use Pisces in its spiritualized sense to talk of the wonders of that ocean of joy and bliss and, and connection and divine love. But like undifferentiation is scary. Um, not knowing your boundaries or not having an ego structure, not knowing who you are. Um, Not knowing what happens in that vast, deep, dark ocean can be terrifying. Um, You know, I think that a lot of the problems in our society can be nutshelled as a fear of death, right? Like, not knowing what comes next. So Virgo is super aware of that abyss. Hello, anxiety. Existential dread. Uh, We all go back to what? To dust? Like, what happens when we die? Uh, what happens when the unknown comes to claim us. Um and Virgo in its fear form really wants to know and understand. So it and it's it's that knowing and understanding is part of a survival mechanism. So it doubles down into fixating and focusing and being compulsive and cleaning and organizing and mental loops. Um you know, in, in, a, in a pathological way, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with cleaning and organizing, but there can be that kind of like quest for perfection in Virgo and perfection that is unattainable and perfection that loses sight of this, you know, somewhat cliche credo that, you know, reality is perfect in its, in its imperfection. And so outside of a spiritual framework, I would say Virgo has no way to orient to what it's all for, um, or we have no way to orient and what's the great meaning and purpose behind doing the great work. Um, is it just self-gratification? Is it legacy? Is it money, right? Um, spirituality is the construct that kind of has traditionally held, that sense of purpose and meaning. Um, And so Virgoan preparedness has its place, but there are some things we can't be prepared for. We can't know. So there's this balance trying to happen here between Virgo and Pisces, between making practical use of our tools while also knowing that we we can't know what will ultimately happen. We can't. We can give it uh, a great effort, but we ultimately can't control everything. So that's where the, you know, healthy Virgo has respect for the benefits of routine and step-by-step processes. It's not that kind of obsessive, compulsive energy Virgo gets a reputation for. Uh, That need for control and tidiness is a function of what I would say is an inherent human need for ritual, for intentional containers and processes and rites of passage that have overt and sacred meaning or, you know, even mundane meaning at that, right? Like my ritual is I get up in the morning and I stretch a little bit to give my body some time to wake up. So this new moon energy is so heavily packed with Virgo, but it's also receiving a trine from Uranus and Taurus. So Uranus and Taurus are not the most compatible energies, but in this sense, it's almost as if the universe is giving us a little oomph to say, hey, you can totally liberate into new patterns and structures and routine. You can totally go back to school this fall and really learn what it is your new steps are on the path of functional humanity, of being a functional human, and defining that functional humanity without judgment and criticism. And even better yet, you know, you can do that without all those scripts that keep you stuck in your place. Uh, Your your inner soldier who once kept you from harm, protecting you from whatever it was you went through as a child, but has now kind of like turned on you, can be repurposed, that energy you have for endless circles of analysis or self-loathing can be redistributed now. And this lunation also has an opposition to Neptune and Pisces. I mean, who am I kidding? It's essentially receiving aspects from everything in the chart, given that the Virgo stellium spans 10 degrees and therefore kind of touches most of the other major planets in the chart. But that opposition from Neptune speaks to me of a conscious or unconscious dissolution of self-harming patterns, and it speaks of a gateway that can allow us to return to unconditional love. And unconditional love is one of the most practical tools we have, but so many of us forget to extend it (laughs) to ourselves first. And more than that, I think, you know, what I keep grokking from this new moon, Energy is okay. Time to move forward, not just in my personal life and for my family and inner circle, but for the sake of the world. Um, you know, the blend of Aquarius and Virgo, which we see in that square from Uranus, because Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. I think really speaks to a brand of humanitarianism. It, you know, Virgo and Aquarius are linked through quincunx or an inconjunct aspect. Uh, naturally speaking, but really it's that I think that um, Virgo's practicality and longing to be of service really comes to good use with the humanitarian vision of Aquarius or Uranus. Um, And so shit's real out there. No need to that I don't mean to feed back into the anxiety loop or anything, but we have got to make changes as a species right now, especially those of us privileged enough to listen to podcasts. And I don't mean that in a guilty and, and shamey way, but part of what we're being called to do right now is accept where we're at, like adults, and then make changes from there. And and now is a great time to start. Now is a great time to start making practical changes to your life, even at very small levels for the sake of the greater good. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second segment. But y'all, when that Virgo monkey mind business starts up and you find yourself wide awake at 3.30 in the morning, remember that other side of Virgo, uh, the side that knows how to slow it down through breathing, through connecting to body, coming into body, down through body, and then connecting down to mama earth. This is earth energy we're talking about. So true conscious grounding processes that are part of what help us manage anxiety. Or if you're like me and experiencing this Virgo energy as a drive-to return to every single plan you've ever had to your life and wanting to produce it all now, um, this energy can help to slow down so you can get that shit done, man. Right? Right? Okay. So, time for segment two. But first, an advertisement. Woohoo! So this week in Shameless Advertising for Myself, I present to you two ways to engage astrology as a tool for personal growth that are highly accessible and relevant. First, and an upgrade to my Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash Aquarian Spirals, I'm adding a monthly full moon live call as an incentive. The first call is set for September 13th and you can receive it as part of your Patreon subscription or just purchase it as a one-time event. Registration link will be in the notes. Second, registration for my Astro Basics course is live and ready for you. Astrobasics teaches you how to become your own astrologer and use your chart as a magical map for navigating your life for the rest of your life. You'll get six online classes, two bonus in-person astro circles if you're in the Seattle area, and access to me by email for all of your out loud processing and questioning needs. And I have one pay as you can and one partial scholarship available. Pretty exciting! So this week I am going to do just a little riff on a question I hear in different forms all the time, which is a question I've heard a lot this week in particular, uh, and that's what can I do for myself and the world as shit keeps hitting the fan? And I suppose a lot of this podcast and the work I do is actually oriented towards that question, but this week I want to talk about it against the backdrop of what's going on with the Amazon burning magical ethics and personal responsibility because you know virgo so virgo is about boundary boundaries and discernment and making practical use of the tools we have and i've been thinking a lot about spiritual magical and witchy activism lately and i guess i should give a few disclaimers first. I mean, I sling the word witchy around a lot, even in the description for this podcast, and I call myself a witch, but I also know that when it comes down to it, I'm still kind of a baby witch. I just fully embrace the term because like, it's an adequate descriptor, and I've got a long old lineage of witney- witchiness in my in my cellular structure. Uh, so other people would probably be better than I at giving in-depth ask- explorations of magic, but um, I do have a pretty strong sense of magical ethics, and so we're going to talk about that. Second disclaimer, I do not actually feel like I have a good grasp on what's going on in the Amazon, politically speaking. Um, I, I know a little bit. I have read some different articles, and I feel like I'm having a hard time getting really good, um, accurate information. So I know that it's on fire. I know a little bit about the <laughs> the dictator there and, and how terrifying he is. Um, But I don't feel really solidly grounded in in factual information at this point. Third disclaimer, and one I'll come back to a lot. It's hard to talk about nuanced topics in nutshells. Uh, So, you know, take what works for you and leave the rest. You are your own best guide. So as I watch and tap into awareness that the lungs of the earth are burning, and that another freaking dictator is, quote unquote, in charge of an area that is not only a vast resource for the health of the planet, uh, but a home for millions of indigenous humans, for millions of people. I'm, it's, it's just really overwhelming and terrifying and and heartbreaking. I'm also observing that I'm fairly well desensitized in some ways and. And that's not my favorite thing, um... You know, it is that kind of onslaught of of bad news, right? And you just, or at least I just have these phases where I react really deeply, and then phases where I don't react at all. And I think that's part of just being a human at this at this time that we're living in, this crazy, crazy timeline. Um, but I've seen several discussions online about you know what we we being magical folks, spiritual folks can do to help what's going with what's going on with these fires, and. My favorite has been a post I saw with a sigil created by Laura tempest Zacharoff, Um, and I'll post a link to that in the notes. But it was floating around Facebook last week, and it came with instructions for some ritual magic. And I love that kind of thing. And for me, that is practical magic at its best when it's kind of like tapping into what's going on as a collective, and it's teaching people how to use um, ritual and implements um, in in lots of different ways, because I think that reclaiming magical traditions and earth-based wisdom is a really potent tool for helping what's going on in the world, um, especially when used in collaboration with activism. And so that also, you know, this also has something to do with the fact that I believe in magic, right? Like not as some airy fairy thing, but as an act that weaves together all aspects of reality to create transformation in alignment with will. You don't like set a spell and poof, magic happens, right? Witchery involves work at all levels, spiritual, psychological, emotional, mental, but it also involves follow through practical steps in the real world. You're kind of like making a contract with the mysterious other saying like, I need your help with this, and I will do this. I'm kind of, you know, a tangent here, but I see people chastising the use of thoughts and prayers, right? Like we have another mass shooting and then folks who support gun rights at all costs will send thoughts and prayers. Um, and, and the people around me who tend to be progressives, who don't really care about gun control or who, in my opinion correctly can connect that we fucking need gun control in this country. Um, kind of telling the thoughts and prayers parade to do real actual work to create change. um, Thoughts and prayers can be akin to magic in many ways, right? So in that airy-fairy sense, or the common misconception that magic is all floof and poof, right? Like it's um, this this fairy tale realm that does not exist in reality. Um, but thoughts and prayers can, I believe, be an actual magical working. Uh, you have you just have to have an understanding of and believe in that that vastly interconnected web of energy that we all exist in. Um And this is the kind of stuff that you know, physics and, and the forms of science that are daring to look into the mysteries of human consciousness are, are starting to be able to language themselves. Um, so like, thoughts and prayers or sigil magic or ritual or rain dance or connection with the earth is absolutely, I believe, helpful when it comes to, you know, ecosystem collapse and like big time fires. But clearly it's not the full story and much more is needed. Practical material level work in the practical material level world, right? Like not burning forest to get more land for agriculture. So then I saw another discussion going on where some individual was suggesting that all of these calls to action or spell work or intention settings or magical workings to try to stop the fires in the Amazon were actually wrong. That there's a greater wisdom at play here and that it's not up to us to interfere. Interfere Like there's this human hubris that says like, oh, we can be the saviors. And I mean, I always have a hard time when I see anyone speaking equivocally about what we should do. Like, everything in the world. And I think that sometimes I speak that way as well. Like in a lot of my right writings, I will say, you know, we need to. And I think part of that is just, you know, the the structure of language. And part of that is that I make an assumption that people who are reading my stuff and listening to my stuff probably are in agreement with me in a lot of ways. But I also make an assumption that, you know, you you know that you have free will. Um, but I had to think about this a lot and and what I did was what it did was it took me back to a conversation I had in therapy several years ago when I had the means for therapy <laughs> with a therapist uh, who could hang with the magical shamanic astrological worldview that was that was very great um, anyway I have long struggled with the paradox of being all at once a person who accepts and adapts and flows. Um, while also being a person with strong desires who wants to fucking quench that shit like I want to go out and, and and you know get what I want and I I want to you know be the change I wish to see in the world um and my therapist broke that down in ter- in terms of the paradox of the mystic versus the magician or mysticism versus magic and again I'm nutshelling shelling massive concepts here but He talked about the mystic as the person who either completely recedes from the mundane world, as in a monk who enters a monastery or a cave, for that matter, uh, or as the person who completely accepts the world as it is. So there's that kind of non-interference. The magician, on the other hand, would be the individual bringing reality into coherence with their will. So like physical reality into coherence. It's based in desire and I suppose manipulation although I prefer to see it as coming into coherence. And sometimes I see that uh, mystic magician split as kind of like a a shamanism versus sorcery split as well. And so I have both of those impulses within me quite strongly. I, I struggle with how to reconcile them a lot of the time. And this is one of the greater learning points of my life that I'm still very much in the midst of, but something about non-interference at this point, especially when it's being touted by folks who appear as white, uh, make me question. You know, there's this privilege that comes along in sometimes saying like, oh, I am, I am detached from this worldly thing or I'm, I'm not going to infer- interfere in that. Um, but I also really respect this notion that interference can sometimes cause harm. Like if I think of it in Virgo terms... Virgo sometimes wants to help so bad and wants to do well by others that, um, it develops a huge savior complex, thereby keeping people out of their own sacred learning processes. Like my, my goal, my fixation is to keep you out of harm. Um, and that then leads to Libra, the next sign and codependency, by the way. Um, So when I hear someone saying, hey, no thoughts and prayers to the burning Amazon or no magical workings to interfere on behalf of some predetermined good of all, I am all at once, you know, I vaguely get it at the same time as my Virgo and discernment kicks in. Like, how do I pick this apart? So there is a way to do magical, desire-based, influential work that also respects what we do not know or understand, forces at work that are beyond our knowledge. There's also a way to be a mystic that represents that or that respects that that sometimes the ability to just go with the flow is a sign of privilege and sometimes it's a sign of maturity. Okay, so I don't really know many people who would be able to honestly say that they would, for instance, leave their child or dog or whatever to burn in a house that's on fire because there are unseen forces at work, and who are you to interfere? Right? So I think that's a really important distinction, especially as there is so much going on in the world that that needs to be changed that needs to be fixed. and that's not just fussing over details, that's identifying that there are massive problems in our culture that require massive change and massive compromise and that you know we can't wait for the people in power to make those changes for us, right? Like we have to inform the decisions and inform the change. So like I keep trying to think of a ritual for the new moon, uh, that keeps that balance in mind, but is still geared towards the healing of the earth and the healing of the waters and the healing of our society and infrastructures and systems. And, um, there's this kind of like conglomeration of things I've heard suggested by other practitioners and I've come up with myself swirling in my head, like that sigil from the Facebook post drawn out and placed over an image of Brazil or drawn in an image of Brazil, um, sitting on an altar with a bowl of water and in that bowl a candle and on that candle an etching, some short some sort of wish or hope or dream or intention like for the greater world, right? Um but also that overarching intention that any of these workings take place in ways that serve the highest good of all involved. That acceptance that I don't know the grand plan. I right? Like I don't, I don't have control, but um, I'm not the master. And, and, and yet I do have these tools and I do know how to use them or I'm learning how to use them. Um, and I will follow through with other concrete world actions in addition to magical workings, you know, like <laughs> publishing this podcast, for example. But returning to that question, what can I do? What can you do? For today, I'll say, you know, there's so many things, self-care, connecting with yourself and your body to the ground, uh, breathing, but also setting goals, keeping it as simple as you can, um, becoming an expert in one thing, just one thing, and, and maybe that's the history of tribal relations in the Amazon rainforest, but maybe that's like, what essential oils are best to treat burns? you know? And maybe it's tools for coping with anxiety, or maybe it's raising your children to be adults with communication and coping skills and emotional intelligence. So we don't individually have to do it all but we can learn something great and put it to good use and then maybe share our knowledge, right? Or our skills with each other. Cause like, we're all in it together. Like I know how to fix a bike and you know how to, I don't know, use an, use an Instapot, right? Like we can skill share. Um, and this Virgo new moon is a great time for practical action and strategizing and planning. All right. So that's all friends. As always, send me your questions and comments if you want. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And for now, um, I am headed to a weekend of dancing with my Dave Matthews band loves at Heaven's Amphitheater, AKA the Gorge, AKA my favorite place in the world. Um, so check out the show notes for links to information and please feel free to share this podcast and know that I'm sending grounded bliss and love to all.